Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Addicted Mind Plus, the podcast where recovery, mental health, and wellness take the front seat. I'm Dwayne Osterland, and joining me is my co-host, Eric Osterland, known for his insightful work on the Stuck Brain podcast. In each episode, we'll dive into actionable small steps to help those in recovery journey further along the path to wellness. Our conversations are designed to be concise, typically around 15 minutes, though we may occasionally delve deeper when the topic demands it. Our goal, to provide you with practical advice grounded in real experiences and expert insights to empower your recovery journey. So whether you're on a break, on a walk, or just taking a moment for yourself, join us as we explore the many facets of recovery and mental health one small step at a time. This is The Addicted Mind Plus, where your journey to wellness gets an extra boost. So let's get started. All right, everyone, welcome to the Addicted Mind Plus. I'm here with my brother, Eric Osterlin from the Stuck Brain Podcast. Hello, everybody. Nice to be here. And I think we have a really good topic today. This is a topic that I really like and has been extremely helpful to me. We're going to talk about primary emotions versus secondary emotions, what that means and and the concept behind that, I think this will be really, really helpful. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one because I I know a little bit about it, but I'm not as diverse in it as you. So I'm excited to kind of talk about this and learn about this together. And uh, I think it's very, it's very helpful. Yeah, yeah. I, I It's been a really a lot of help in my own life. So let's jump in. I want to put some context to this. The way I'm talking about primary and secondary emotions today comes out of DBT, which is dialectical behavior therapy. And when I say that, it feels like a mouthful. Dialectical, what in the world is that? What does that mean? Basically, dialectical behavior therapy was developed by Marsha Linehan. And she developed this out of her own need 
to regulate her emotions and to heal herself, she created dialectical behavior therapy. But first, let's just talk about that first piece, which is a dialectic. And this is going to make sense as we get into primary and secondary emotions. A dialectic is a concept that is two competing needs, right? The example I use is maybe someone who has social anxiety. This would be an example of a, a dialectic. If if they have social anxiety, they go out and they feel um, anxious because they're out with people. On the other side, if they stay mm -hmm. home, they feel lonely and alone. So they have this dialectic that they have to navigate to choose between those two things. So that's the dialectic part. And so I think that's an important concept to understand as we go in and start to talk about primary and secondary emotions, because it's built out of the way Linehan sees it in dialectical behavior therapy. And so I guess we can jump in. Does that make sense? It does. I'm glad you brought that example up. That's such a spot on example. So people that feel like they want to go out because they need that socialization, but when they get there, they're feeling anxious and they don't want to be there. And then they go back home and they're feeling anxious because they want to be out and socialized. I love that like dichotomy. It's it's both parts of the equation at the same time. Right. So when we look at DBT, it's really this dialectic of acceptance, accepting where we're at and balancing change. And those two things balancing out together. And to be able to balance those things out, we have to understand our emotions. We have to have some uh, I want to say the ability to regulate our emotions, to be able to navigate those dialectics. Like we talked about in the social anxiety, there's two sides there. And one way we can do that is start to understand our emotions from this idea of primary emotions versus secondary emotions. And so the first thing people are going to ask me is like, okay, what are the, what are the two things there? Yeah. So let's go into a primary emotion. In DBT, a primary emotion is considered a valid, genuine emotional response to a stimulus in the moment. It's like natural and appropriate to the situation we're in. It's not necessarily like these kind of emotions are secondary emotions and these kind of emotions are primary emotions. When I look at it, all emotions can be both primary and secondary depending on where we are and the situation we're in. Now, I know there are different ways of looking at emo emotions, so there's different thoughts about that, but this is the way I'm conceptualizing it, so I want to make that clear. So a primary emotion is a valid, genuine emotional response to a stimulus in the present moment we are experiencing. An example is if we lose something, we feel grief. That might be a, an appropriate response for that. If someone hurts us, we may feel anger for that. Yeah. Okay. That would be a primary emotional uh, response. As It's a normal part of human experience, and they're not necessarily inherently problematic to that moment. So that's important. That's primary. Okay. Can I repeat this back to you just to make sure I understand it and our listeners understand it? Uh, primary emotion is something that makes sense to a stimuli. So- a lion jumps out and scares me. I feel fear and I run. That's a primary emotion, that fear. That's, that's, that equals the stimuli that happens. Yes. Is that what you're saying? And it's appropriate. Correct. It's appropriate for that moment. Like you should feel afraid when a lion jumps out and tries to eat you. That would be totally appropriate. 
Now, okay. where it gets complicated is when we bring in secondary emotions. So secondary emotions, according to Linehan, are emotional reactions to the primary emotions themselves. And they tend to be more problematic because their response to one's judgment and interpretation of their primary emotion. Got it. So let's go back to the example of the person who has social anxiety. Yeah. We're going to go there. So they decide to go out and they feel anxious. And now, not only do they feel anxious, now they feel maybe shame, embarrassment. Got it. So they're anxious going out and then now the secondary response on top of it. And I can even go back and say that anxiousness is probably also a secondary emotions as well because mm -hmm. we could even look a little bit deeper to look at the, the primary reaction to it. But then... It's an emotion on top of an emotion on top of an emotion. And these can spiral out on top of each other. So a person could feel anxious and then they could feel shame about feeling anxious and then they could feel sad that that they're feeling shame and it can go on and on and on. And th that becomes really, really difficult to navigate. And that's where the problems come in because what we try and do is we try and solve these secondary responses in the moment when we're not reacting to the primary emotion in the experience that we're having in front of us. Got it. Got it. So can I, I want to clarify this as well. So our, our lion example, right? A lion jumps out, scares me. I'm afraid. But then that's a primary emotion. But then I start having embarrassment that I was afraid. Oh, I shouldn't have been afraid. I'm a tough guy. That would be a secondary emotion. The shame about feeling the fear or the embarrassment about feeling the fear. Right. And, th and that comes from the judgments we have, the thoughts about it. Exactly. Okay. Got it. And that's where a lot of our, our, a lot of our problems come up in our life is because we start to try and navigate these secondary responses. And they're really just about our own judgments and thoughts about some other emotion that we've had. And now what's important to know is it can be difficult to spot what the primary emotion is because some of these things are so automatic and ingrained in us that we don't even realize we're in secondary response. Our beliefs and our judgments are so tied into our sense of self that they're so automatic that oftentimes people don't realize that they're dealing with a secondary emotional experience. So Got it. we have to find ways to kind of identify some of those experiences so that we can we can step back and really learn to navigate that emotional experience or what we're facing in, in the present moment. And what's also important about secondary emotions to note is that it may take, like, like you said, with the example of the lion jumping out of the tree, I mean, there's going to be a lot of fear there, right? Mm -hmm. But when you add shame to it and then you add guilt to it, and then you add sadness to it. It takes an emotional experience that maybe is like, um, maybe this emotional experience would be like a, a seven. Mm -hmm. And now it drives it up to like a nine or a 10. Yeah. Right. So it takes an experience and amplifies it and makes it even more difficult to, to deal with. So when we can start to understand our secondary emotional responses, we can start to navigate them better. Okay. How do we, this leads me to a question. How do we tease these apart? Like, I know we're going to probably get into that. How do I know that I'm the shame is a secondary emotion for the fear that the lion caused when it jumped out? Like, how do we start pulling this apart so I can 
work on the primary motion. Is that the goal to work on the primary motion? Well, I th I think we have to work on both. Okay. We have to be able to split these apart a little bit to be able to navigate each one. So one thing is just starting to tease them apart. And I, I encourage people to get pen to paper and write these things out in a way to start to navigate it and slow the process down. And this is where like mindfulness comes in, being able to to do that, to write down what are all the emotions I'm having. And then you can start to look at each of those emotions and you can start to say, is, is this maybe the primary or is this the secondary emotion? And there's a couple clues in there to, to look at mm -hmm. if you're in a, a secondary response. So here's some ways in which to start to tease apart primary and secondary. You can ask yourself some questions about the emotion itself. So you can go, um, is this feeling a direct reaction to something that just happened. Okay. If so, that's probably a primary emotion. Um, so that's one question. Is this feeling growing in intensity over time? Oh, I like that. Yeah. If the feeling is growing and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you're probably in a secondary emotional response. This is probably about a judgment or thought that you had about something earlier. And so you're probably in a secondary response. Got it. Also, another good question to ask, when the event prompting the emotion recedes, but the emotion stays with you, then you're probably piling up some secondary emotions on top of your primary emotions. So, you know, you have that prompting event that kind of causes this emotion. This is why you want to put it on a piece of paper and write it out. But then the emotions are still staying there. Yeah. Then most likely you're looking at a secondary emotion as well. Another clue is when your feelings are complex with intense and different feelings occurring simultaneously, then you're probably dealing with some secondary emotions as well. Okay. So that's really, really important too. And the secondary emotions are the ones that cause us problems, right? Those are the ones that prevent us from going outside, like agoraphobia, stuff like like that. Is that, am I, do I have that correct? Yes. I, I would say that because most of the time these secondary emotions, um, they're, they're about these judgments, past events, mm. our identity, they're tied up in our identity. They're about assumptions or anticipations. So it's most likely they're not going to be helpful. Although we still need to pay attention to them because they're going to help us heal too, because they're going to be clues to our own belief system, our own thoughts about ourselves as well. Got it. And another way to spot uh, secondary emotions is that ask yourself, is the event that just occurred now past? Okay. And these emotions are still here. You're probably in secondary emotions as well. Um, are the emotions really, really powerful, maybe more powerful than the event itself warrants? you're probably in a secondary emotional response. You know, and you can ask yourself, when the initiating event subsided, did my emotional reaction subside as well? Then you might be in primary, yeah. right? Because emotions come and go. But our secondary emotions tend to stay with us, and then those are the ones that give us the problems. So we really want to be able to start to pull these things apart. And then once we pull them apart, we're able to deal with them more effectively. But this is the first step. And, you know, this is where things like um, mindfulness come in, which is a big part of DBT as well, dialectal behavior therapy. Mindfulness is the cornerstone of it. And I, I, 
I love mindfulness. It's, it's incredibly helpful because it yeah. teaches us to sit with these things and ask these questions and helps us deal with some of these emotions. But I think being able to pull these two things apart yeah. can be really, really helpful. Absolutely. I have another question that just popped up. How do we prevent secondary emotions from showing up? So like, let's, let's say I just, the line jumped out and scared me and I was super fe fearful. I'm in the moment. Is there a way to prevent secondary emotions from showing up down the road or is it kind of just going to happen? And we, we need to learn how to process it. The way I look at it is like our emotions are emotions and they just happen. Mm -hmm. And so trying not to have an emotion is really not possible. They're just going to occur. Yeah. What we more want to look at is how do we regulate them effectively so that our emotions become of service to us. They help inform our life and our decision-making and as in DBT, we move into wise mind decision-making and maybe we can do a podcast about what yeah. the wise mind is as well. I think that would be interesting. Absolutely. But we're able to, to navigate those. Our emotions are our emotions. They happen. They're there. I do think if we take the time to look at our primary, pull out our secondary, we're able to start to heal mm -hmm. and we're able to start to move through those secondary responses in a healthy way. And in some ways, when we start to resolve that stuff, some of these secondary emotions become less and less powerful over time and don't have as much influence on us as we move through our life. Um, they may, may still show up because we may have some trauma around it, so it's pretty ingrained in us, but they don't have the control and power that they do to just push us over here or push us over there where we're making decisions that just aren't good for us because we're so overwhelmed with these secondary responses. So yeah, so I hope this is helpful for everybody. <laughs> I hope this gives somebody some, you know, a nugget of wisdom to, to, to be able to process in their life and, and use this as an example. And what I'll do as well is if you want to, you can go to theaddictedmind.com slash plus, and I'm going to put a worksheet on there that you can download that just asks some of these questions. So when you're putting pen to paper and you're trying to figure out primary versus secondary, you can pull out this worksheet and just do it. And I think that will be helpful for a lot of people. Absolutely. So everyone, I hope this is helpful. And if you've got a lot out of this episode, share it with a friend, write a review for us on iTunes. We hope we've provided you with some wisdom and something you can take action on a small step in your recovery process. Take care, everybody. Take care. Thank you for tuning into the Addicted Mind Plus. We hope today's episode has brought you valuable insights and a small step to support your journey in recovery, mental health, and wellness. For more information about this episode and additional resources, please visit our website at theaddictedmind.com forward slash plus. And if there's a topic you're eager to hear about or a question you'd like us to explore, we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us at theaddictedmind.com and let us know your thoughts. Your journey is important and we're here to support you every step of the way. Until next time, take care and keep stepping forward on your path to wellness. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety.
Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.